world we are back with episode 5 of 300 questions yes so this time we are going to do a real deep dive we are going to have a special conversation with Esther Martinez who is a community activist in the rare disease movement and this episode is sort of a special follow-up on the conversation that I had with Lois in episode 3 on living with endometriosis um, and with Aston, I dove even deeper into the whole topic of how is it really living with a rare disease or living with a condition that's not well understood, that's not maybe even obvious to people who are looking at us, and what does it do to you physically, emotionally, mentally, when you live with conditions that are uh, defined as rare disease? And... Um, it was really a bit eerie because while we were doing the interview and it was very emotional really listening to what Essen had to share, a thunderstorm started outside here and you will see that even, you know, it was very dark where I was because of that thunderstorm. It was totally reflecting the whole intensity, I would say, of the topic. So enjoy going deeper into a very very important topic because rare diseases might be rare on its own but you will hear from Aston that all together these diseases actually affect millions of people who have to live with these conditions but at the same time of course also their families their friends the people around them so it's a very very crucial topic that societies should look into much more so let me know your thoughts, share this interview with anyone who might benefit and um, let me know if there's any topic that you would like me to interview someone on. Speak soon. Ready to do it. There we go. Perfect. Yay, we are live. Hi, Aston. Hi. Thank you so much for making time for this interview. I'm really interested in where the conversation will take us today. Yeah, so am I. So before we go like really deep into the topic, maybe you can tell our audience a little more about you, who you are and what you do. Yep. So my name is Aston and I work mostly with uh, a team called Habit Nest and I write these journals that help people build healthier habits like morning routine, evening routine, budgeting, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, we're also working on an NFT project that has been sort of a rising star in the NFT space of things. And um, aside from all that, I do work with a organization called the Rare Advocacy Movement. We usually just call it RAM for short. And for that, I do journalism. I like to pick topics that the rare disease community um, is, is currently faced with and just sort of dive real deep into them, do a lot of research. So mm. that's me. That's mostly what I do. Other than that, I have three kids and I like to spend pretty much all of my spare time with them. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. So this topic about rare diseases and how it affects actually people in our society, it really sparked my interest because um, I had mentioned to you that I did another episode with someone I know who suffers from endometriosis and lives with this condition. And our conversation that time was a lot about how it affects the individual, especially also the fact that people might not be aware that you have a disease because from outside you look very okay, you look very healthy. 
So is that also something that you cover in, in the rare disease movement and the work that you do there? Yes, definitely, because the thing is, although each rare disease is rare on its own, um, there's over 7,000 types, something like that at this point. Um, mm. And so you end up with about 362 million people around the world, about every one in 10 people is either living with a rare disease themselves or they're they have somebody in their family that is and mm. so when you think about it rare is everywhere we've all <laughs> we've all got some sort of rare in our life somewhere but yet because a lot of those conditions are often invisible illnesses um a lot of people in the rare disease community deal with that issue of people looking at them and thinking Oh, they look totally fine and healthy. There, there's no way there's anything wrong with them. And mm. a lot of times, then that moves forward into, well, then that mean they must be faking, or just over exaggerating, or it's just in their head. And so you get a lot of biases, a lot of poor care um, from people whose job it is to help help these people. You know. Mm, so you mean even in the medical field, you might be faced with that? Right. Yeah, exactly. The The medical field, even when dealing with insurance, um, oh, all, yeah. all sorts of areas of life, just absolutely right now aren't very accessible for the rare disease community for those reasons. Mm. And what happens to someone who is faced with that? bias so to speak right so um for a lot of people that ends up translating into not getting the the right treatment um, for their condition without it taking a whole lot of time and doing more damage um mm. and having to see more doctors do more tests all sorts of stuff um for me personally i had an issue uh in 2019 um because of one of my conditions uh it makes you extremely um prone to like prolapses and stuff like that i went into the doctor to get checked for for one and she just looked right at me and said no you wouldn't have that because you are young and healthy uh -huh. you're, you're just a 25 year old um at the time and mm -hmm. i pushed and pushed and was like no i'm serious you need to look and mm. sure enough, she checked, she went white as a ghost because she just realized that she kind of messed up a second there and almost didn't, you know, help me with this problem. Mm. And so that happens a lot. And for some people that it takes an average of seven years to get the right diagnosis for a rare disease. Um, yeah. And these diseases aren't very well understood yet. Uh, it took me I think something like six or seven doctors just to get my main diagnosis, which is a connective tissue disorder um, mm -hmm. called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And that I, I, I kept going to doctors and because it's not well understood or even taught about, um, mm. all of them kept saying, we don't really know what that is. So I would take them uh, a copy of the diagnostic criteria so that they could look it over and assess from that point 
even then they would be like, no, you're right. This fits, but I don't feel like I'm qualified to give you this diagnosis since I don't even know this disorder. Wow. And so it takes so much time. People get treated for the wrong things, which can be just as harmful for your body. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people have faced medical related trauma. Mm. And um, I'm just, I was thinking exactly about this topic related to the trauma that can come up when you keep going to doctors, when you keep being diagnosed wrongly, or someone keeps telling you either they can't help you because they don't understand, or they might even think it's something else. What does that do to a person like emotionally and, you know, in your everyday life? It's, it's extremely disrupting and disabling even further um mm. for for me personally and a lot of other people that i've talked to um when i talk about needing to go to the er for anything i go into a straight panic attack right off the bat mm. because of how many times i've gone in and i have tattoos and piercings i have my hair cut and dyed you know i i often immediately get looked at as oh drug seeker even if i'm not going in asking for pain medication or anything and mm. so at this point i i get really scared because i get extreme symptoms so often that mm -hmm. it'll get so bad that i'm like i don't i don't know if this is just a flare-up or if i'm actually dying and then mm. i sit there and think about it and it's like i'm so scared to go to the ER that what if I end up dying because I'm too scared to go. And so uh, I also have a friend in the rare disease community that she eventually decided to get a DNR, um, do not resuscitate. Uh, she won't go to doctors, anything. It's, it's extremely traumatic. It's disruptive to your healthcare. Mm. I'm terrified of seeing new doctors, especially. Um, so yeah, it, it does get really bad and it can be serious for somebody's health if if they're worried that they can't go seek treatment when they truly need it. Mm. Yeah, so the impact is massive. I can just imagine from the time that you spend and then this cycle that you sort of jump in every time you feel you would need help, you would love to seek help, but you don't feel fully protected mm -hmm. or yeah. sort of, you know, like the safety net that the medical system should normally give you, it doesn't seem to be there for a person with a rare disease because you feel misunderstood so many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, of course, if normal practitioners tend to not know about a, a certain disease or disorder, then, of course, neither do the ER doctors. Mm. And so they're looking at you like, oh, if if you're trying to claim that you have this extremely rare disorder, you're probably attention seeking or a hypochondriac or something like that. Mm. So it, it it translates into all manners of of the healthcare system. Um, and of course it can be difficult to get insurance to approve certain treatments or mobility yeah. aids, stuff like that. So it, it, it does have a very massive impact. Mm. So if, if someone is watching this now and thinking like, oh, wow, that's me, you know, I have the same experiences and I'm sort of stuck 
in my own vicious cycle of helplessness, what would you advise them to do? No matter where they are in the world, I know the situations probably in terms of also how supported we are around the globe is different, but maybe some general advice you could give. So I would definitely say if it's something that you feel comfortable doing, comfortable and safe being able to do, um, it really helps to speak up about it, whether that be directly to your provider or, um, you know, going home and writing an article and submitting it just to as sort of an open letter type thing. Obviously, you don't want to be mean about it because a lot of times when you get mean, they just stop listening to it right off the bat. Mm. And so it it's really helpful. Like the more the more people talk about it, the more we'll be able to be like, hey, look, this is affecting so many people that mm. this absolutely needs to change. That we need to do something. Um, mm -hmm. And if, if you don't feel comfortable sharing your experience for any reason, then I would definitely say um, bring an advocate with you, whether it's a professional one or somebody close to you that can stay level headed during your appointments while also uh, being stern enough to make sure that you get the care that you need. Um, yes. And of course, a professional advocate, very helpful since they know the the system in and out but any advocate is good or even advocate for yourself um it takes a lot of courage to do that it's not easy mm. and mm. It, it, we get also a lot of people that they're scared to share their personal experience because once it's out there it's it's out there and so yeah, that's absolutely completely understandable that that could be a little nerve-wracking so it's mm. not a big deal if anybody doesn't want to speak up but it definitely helps. Mm. So on the one hand, our sharing our experiences, if we are affected, helps like not only us probably, but the, all those millions of people that you shared earlier are, who are affected around the world, because it will be more known. And the other thing is, I mean, for some people speaking up, it might actually feel liberating, I can imagine, right? When you don't have to like hold it back anymore and it's just out there yeah it can definitely be a healing experience to just you know let people know what happened to you and open up about it um but of course some people get worried that like their boss might see it or yeah. their friends might see it and so that that can get rough mm. So it's a very personal decision in terms of how far you want to go. Yes, 100%. Very personal yeah. decision. Yeah. But I like this, the, the advice on the advocate, like whatever sort of advocate you feel you can get, someone who can stay level-headed, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a professional, that can definitely help you because I can just imagine how vulnerable you would feel in that situation. Yes, definitely. And for me, I take my husband every time I go to any appointment now. Mm. Um, and it's also like you have to be careful uh, of who you bring because that level headed part is extremely important. Um, yeah. They make matters worse if they, you know, let the frustration get to them and start um, snapping a little bit at, mm. the, at the providers and everything. But any advocate works and it, it does get 
it's hard to deal with it when it's just you in there because when you start to feel like you're being dismissed or gaslit or any of that, um, you, you do start to kind of lose that level-headedness because it's a very personal thing going on. Absolutely. So I, I've made that mistake before of I let it get to mean too much and I've, I've snapped and stuff and I've realized that that's not helpful to the situation. Mm. So it, if you have to advocate for yourself, definitely do so. Um, but it's better when it's somebody else that, that can sort of take on the brunt of that for you. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. And you might have symptoms that might even make you not be able to react as you would want to react, however bad the situation is. So, um, yeah. But of course, some of some people might say, like, I don't have anyone. And then, you know, still go in there and seek that help is what I hear you say. Also, don't just stay at home. And right, exactly. Yeah. If you have to do it with just you, that's good too. just any amount of making making sure that you're not being swept under the rug. Um, mm. it, it helps as long as you make it clear that you're not trying to cause problems. You just care about your health and you're trying to be actively involved in your healthcare because yes. you, you would think a doctor uh, would appreciate somebody wanting to be actively involved in their healthcare. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And are there any like resources, communities or whatever other help um, that people can seek out there like online or? Yeah, there's definitely tons of support groups and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I, I've been in a lot of different support groups on like Facebook for my specific conditions. And then, of course, there's the organization I mentioned earlier, the uh, Rare Advocacy Movement. Um, they provide a lot of information about all of that mm. and uh, help help people find resources and all that stuff. Um, those are the main ones. There, there's a lot out there for like chronic illness in general. Um, yeah. So the Mighty is a good one for that. Uh, it's a website I've done a couple articles on before. Um, they're really good about accepting articles and letting people put their voice out there so that if mm. anybody ever wants to write about that experience and put that out there, that's a good place to start. Um, one thing that we do try to mention at RAM is the fact that sharing your story doesn't have to be done free of charge um, because there's actually a fair market value for people who just simply tell their story, their lived experience stories. And then you've got, you know, the, the experts and everything. And um, so, so definitely don't feel like it's something that you have to share without expecting anything back. Um, mm. We get a lot of people that say, well, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind not getting money for it because I just want to help other people. And that's, mm -hmm. that's cool too, but, um, but there's also definitely don't, don't let anybody make you feel like your story isn't worth something because there, mm -hmm. there's places that will pay people who are healthy and don't have these diseases. They'll pay them to write about the disease. And it's like, why not ask somebody who has lived it 
Absolutely. And, and you know, give them a fair wage because mm-hmm. most of the time people with chronic illnesses, they the they end up disabled, unable to work. Um, and so income is important. Mm. And so it's not fair that an able-bodied person would get paid for the same thing. You know, we, we should expect that as well. Yeah. It's almost like, um, learning to value yourself the same way that someone else would be valuing themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And that leads me to something that just popped up in my mind as I was listening to you, because it seems like a person with a rare disease might go a lot through a lot of experiences that makes, might make them feel bitter and like a lot of emotions penned up. So what would be your advice here? How, what, what is your best way of letting go of that? And just, you know, still living your life, being happy, having a fulfilled and joyful experience. I definitely struggle with that a lot. Um, when you have a chronic illness of any sort, a lot of times depression will come with that because mm. the impact on your body has an impact on your mind. And Absolutely, yes. it, it does get hard to maintain that joyful outlook. I have my days where I have accepted it that, you know, that my body's never going to be able to do the things that other people can do. But mm. then there's those days I'll just kind of slap me in the face out of nowhere where it just feels mm. like, I would say I almost get a why me feeling, not long. I don't let myself dwell in it, but I sit there mm. and think, you know, what, what, what did I do to deserve to not be able to go have fun with my kids or, you know, whatever it is that I'm not able to do that day. But that is definitely the important part is don't dwell on that part of it because Mm. all that time that you spend dwelling on that is time that could be spent still working on getting the most out of the life that you do have Mm. because otherwise that's just passing you by um i i've heard something just the other day that uh it was something along the lines of pain is inevitable but suffering is a choice um Mm -hmm. because you really do make that 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 mental choice of either i'm going to stay in this unhelpful bubble of thought that's just harming my emotions worse it's harming me worse it's not i'm not being a good caretaker of myself right now Mm -hmm. and and so you just got to get out of that and say okay i may not be able to do xyz but here's all the stuff i absolutely can do Mm. and also a lot of it is gratitude the whole learning to be where learning to be happy exactly where you are in life is important Mm. for anyone absolutely yeah that's true that's and so a lot of practicing gratitude has helped a lot with me but i think it's definitely inevitable that you're gonna have days like that they're gonna Mm. happen because it's not easy, but we've made it through every time. All of us have, who have been through that, we've made it through mm-hmm. every time. 100% success rate there. So we can keep doing that. So much wisdom in those words, especially the whole part of being present. 
you know, being present to what you actually have and also the choices you have, no matter how disempowered you might feel sometimes, you still always have that choice and might not be easy to accept that. But, you know, it's still there if you want to take it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What would you say to those people in society who do not suffer from a rare disease, who might actually look at someone and say like, hey, you know, he or she just, they are just pretending or whatever, just simply because maybe up to this point, they might be watching this and up to this point, they might have never been aware that there was all that going on underneath the surface. So um, what would you want to say to them? What is your advice for them, how they could maybe treat people also a bit differently? Uh, it's gonna, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's definitely the whole don't judge a book by its cover type of yeah. thing. Because, I mean, similarly to how you wouldn't necessarily look at somebody and know whether they have diabetes or a serious heart condition or something, mm. they, you know, they could still be walking around like normal. So, I mean, if you wouldn't judge people for that, then you definitely shouldn't for any other disease just because you don't see it there. Because there's also mm -hmm. the fact that for a lot of people with conditions like this, the only, like, the only thing you'll see from them is when they're feeling at their best because mm -hmm. otherwise it's hard to go out and do the things that we want to do. And so when you're seeing somebody, they're probably at their best. And just because they are getting by at whatever, you know, whatever stage they are at that day, just because they're getting by does not mean that they are cured or that they're healthy or that they fake when things are really bad. Mm. It's just constant fluctuations and a lot of times when people see them, they're at the good part. They're at their, their, their best feeling, their best ability to move around. So there's so much going on for people with those conditions the entire rest of the time where people aren't seeing them. And they're just in their home with their, whoever they live with, you know, mm. that's when, that's when you see the worst of it. And it's it's so much more than you would think yeah so yeah the whole old phrase don't judge a book by its cover but also you know i'm thinking it's this whole idea of more kindness in society and giving people the benefit of a doubt rather than instantly assuming i'm just thinking work environment for example you know the classic thing like someone cannot come repeatedly and you might think they're not dedicated or they're messed up for whatever reason and you sort of judge them rather than saying, okay, what might be the real issue here? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had a, a lot of that with one of the last uh, actual in-office jobs that I worked. Mm. Uh, I kept having to miss for medical reasons and because of their policies behind how much time off we can have and everything, I was already on the brink of getting fired for missing 
days that I absolutely had to to get to my appointments, all of my specialist yeah. appointments, and yeah, yeah, yeah. they have mo most employers, uh, at least in the United States, are pretty strict about their time off, and mm. I don't think I don't think somebody should have to worry about potentially losing their job so that they can go get their health taken care of that day or however many days they need to. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, that it just feeds into the general debate that is also uh, discussed out there, like how should we structure our society in general so that it can be more inclusive and more tailored to different situations or setups in people's lives and needs uh, because there are so many gaps still and I feel this is one one big one as well that is part of this whole discussion that's going on yeah yeah for sure and uh, there's there's so many different aspects of the world right now that are really lacking in, in accessibility um, for disabled people and there's there's a lot that needs done to to really get to a point of equity and inclusion mm. but there there are steps that each person depending on what area they can control such as say you're designing a website or um, an app or something like that there are different design related ways that you can make your product more accessible. Um, mm. and, and it's also important to understand the fact that disability is a spectrum, much like the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, when you say that, they think of it as like more of a gradient of like not very severe to severe. And that's not really how that works either because what one person with a disability is experiencing is vastly different from what another person is experiencing in terms of what they struggle with. And so it's just important to get to know if you if you're around somebody or hiring somebody that you know has a disability. There's a lot of different ways that you could get to know that person ask them what they struggle with and mm. make make things more accommodating for them and it, mm. sometimes it could be something extremely simple sometimes not so much but the world you know for for an able-bodied person you don't have to when you go to the library or the doctor you don't have to think about the fact of is this accessible for me can i yeah can i get through the door will there be enough room for my wheelchair something like mm -hmm. that you know you never have to think about that and that's amazing but there's so many people this these millions of people that do have to worry about that every time that they go somewhere mm -hmm. and by this point with about about 25 percent of americans being disabled you know i think that's a big enough percentage at this point that it's worth doing something about yeah Absolutely. I'm just thinking again, you know, of the whole impact it has on the quality of the, of the life of a person if you have to worry about it. And 
I'm just thinking of um, people in my like sort of community or in my circle of friends as well. If they're affected by something, it's almost like they're embarrassed sometimes that they have to worry about it. And I find that so, I don't know, I don't even have words for it. It makes me very sad because it means every time you have to live with those negative emotions and that again impacts you. You know, not the people necessarily around you, the wider society, of course, the close ones who love you and know you, but it really affects you and your quality of life. So if we could take that away, that would already make such a difference. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that was a really deep insight into, you know, what people with rare diseases really go through. And, um, you know, also what we all could do, the people who have a rare disease, but also the people around them could do to make it a bit easier. And that's, I'm sure that will be very insightful for those who are listening and watching. So thank you so much, Aston, for making time and sharing your own experiences also. Yes. It's very valuable for everyone. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share all that and help get my message out there. Absolutely. I think it's a very, very important message. So let's spread the word and see what, what change we can sort of inspire. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you.